Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Hello, Anna. How are you today? I've been looking forward to our conversation this week. Oh, great. We're exploring the behind the scenes dimensions that directly influence how we see ourselves, others, and the world. These are aspects often hidden in the unconscious mind, yet dictate our interpretations and our actions. Well, that's right, Anna. You know, we often assume that we're in charge of our lives, you know, like the decisions that we make, you know, we, we think our, our choices are, you know, from free will, you know, and we think we select our preferences from personal uh, taste. Yes, and it sure isn't what it seems to be. No, it isn't. No, it is not. But then that's part of our quest to live more consistently from our best and highest self, to dive into what makes us tick and to know the truth. I just wasn't prepared for all the hidden features and how the dynamic inner process orchestrates our lives. Well, that's right, Anna, you know, and, you know, let's just continue to dive in because we all like to think that we're driving the bus of our lives. You know, this perception really helps us believe that we're in control of the choices that we make, you know, those choices that determine the direction of our lives. Yet we all experience times when we don't think or behave in logical ways or are even in our own best interest. You know, we undermine our self-care by watching too much TV or spending too much time on Facebook, you know, or overeating or procrastinating or overindulging in drugs and alcohol. You know, and, and this is because our minds have two parts, both conscious and unconscious. And these, these parts are often in conflict over who's going to be in the driver's seat. Oh, yes. Conflict over the driver's seat, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, in our last few conversations, we have focused on material stored in the unconscious mind that can support or sabotage our best efforts. It originates in our early conditioning. We sometimes refer to this as our backstory, and this is also includes our core beliefs that can often be self-limiting beliefs. Yes, and this baggage that we drag around from our childhood is part of the human condition. Okay, so starting in the four, first four years of life, we develop certain ways of thinking and feeling and behaving that protect us from perceived threat and that support our survival in what we perceive as is possibly hostile environments of, of varying degrees. Sometimes a hostile or dangerous environment perceived by a small child is their parents' disapproval or withdrawal of affection. Yes. Yes, the withdrawal of love and affection can be experienced by a child as life-threatening. You know, an example of a more extreme situation might be a child learning to feel safe around an angry, aggressive parent by being passive or accommodating. Or another example might be, you know, a child seeking to be rewarded by an overly demanding parent, um, by the child learning how to anticipate and meet their parents' needs. Dr. Jane, sounds like the making of a people-pleasing perfectionist. Well, that certainly is a possibility. You know, the point I want to highlight is that things happen when we're too young and unequipped emotionally to respond in any way but protect ourselves you know, we're trying to protect ourselves the best way we can. And unfortunately, in adulthood, what may have proved to be functional when we were young may be clearly dysfunctional and result in reluctance to maybe assert ourselves or 
perform in optimal ways, you know, to take responsible risks or be authentic or have healthy relationships or even create a life worth living. So the truth of this emotional baggage and the way we cope goes into hiding in our unconscious via defense mechanisms and the core beliefs that we've talked about, self-limiting beliefs, and yet they're acted out habitually in behaviors in our daily lives. So the passive, accommodating, perfectionism, the procrastination, they all continue to be our habitual reactions, even when it's no longer working for us, or even when we say something like, I'm never going to do that again, you know? I think, yeah, I think we've all been on that, you know, hamster wheel at one time. (laughs) Yes. You know, and, you know, in this conversation, I want to talk about yet another hidden aspect of ourselves that we need to address. Dr. Jane, it's getting crowded (laughs) in the unconscious. I'm bracing myself. Well, yeah, good. Because we need to talk about the shadow part of ourselves. This is the part of us that our ego identity has disowned. It really can't even tolerate it. So the shadow part of us that runs counter to who I want to be, how I want to present myself, is banished because I find it abhorrent. Now, that's sounding a little extreme. You know, how did it come to be? Well, could be something that was unwanted or shamed by our parents or, or maybe a teacher you know, it could be something physical, something about our body or, or a behavior that was frowned upon or some, could be some affinity or interest that was discouraged. And in some cases, it, it tends to be more gender specific, you know, not behaving in ways that the authority figures in our lives believed aligned with being a boy or a girl. So that part of us wasn't allowed expression. And in short order, because it wasn't safe, it began hiding from us. It kind of went underground. Hmm. So my guess is that like our conditioning and beliefs, it's hidden, but never really disappears. Oh, that's right. You know, it's tucked away in the unconscious. And this means that our conscious mind, our ego, cannot access it. But, But it's not like it's lying helplessly in the dark recesses of our mind. Oh, no. You know, it's running the show from behind the scenes. It demands to be heard, even when it's tripping us up in relationships or on the job or in our self-care or sabotaging our productivity or maybe our drive for success. So this, of course, blows big holes in our self-esteem and our confidence, and it often plays out in addictions and depression, anxiety. Um, The thing is that its power over us has a lot to do with the fact that we're oblivious to it. You know, an interesting, interesting aspect of the shadow is that it also is projected onto other people. So just take a moment and think about someone you dislike or that you judge critically or have a disdain for. These are all reflections of that shadow part of ourselves. Well, as I said last time, it's amazing in a creepy way to think that a hidden part of ourselves has so much control. And those clearly negative feelings that we have toward others reflect our shadow self. Yes, you know, but, but that's the theory. You know, and for our purposes, Anna, you know, we want to recognize the dark aspects within us 
that may be preventing us from living from our best and highest selves. So this requires a path of truth and potential growth that comes from facing our fears and facing our conflicts. But what gets in the way is our addiction to comfort, you know, because this addiction often supports our dismissal of these kinds of challenges. And we both know that the library and bookstores are filled with self-help books that promote corrections to a lot of different kinds of unhealthy patterns and also unhealthy emotions, but without looking at the possibility of a deeper reason for our actions. Yes, I agree. And you mentioned in our last conversation that Often an intervention targets the behavior without consideration for what's driving the be- that particular behavior. Well, that, that's right. I call it the stop that method. You know, so whether it's eating unhealthily or drinking too much, you know, could be, you know, fighting with loved ones or continually getting to work late. The intervention is stop that. You know, the specific behavior is targeted without regard for a deeper reason for the behavior. So the focus is on the individual's inadequacies, and it fails to consider any hidden aspects of the personality that we're looking at. So this can often result in feelings of shame and worthlessness, maybe some hopelessness, you know, especially when the results are either lacking or short-lived. And if we wanted to go deeper, how, why, how might we go about it? Well, as I've said so often, you know, we have to start with mindful awareness because we need to turn toward the difficulty. And in doing so, that's when we inquire into the behavior. When we begin to explore this way, we discover our yearning for that behavior. You know, we, we discover the relationship we have with the behaviors and what we're getting out of the relationship. With it. You know, how the behavior somehow seems to be right, at least in the moment. You know, we see our attachment to it, you know, how our ability to do the next right thing is, gosh, it's tabled, at least momentarily, for some feel-good sensation. So we recognize how the shadow can talk us into self-serving action and enable us to justify self-destructive behaviors. So our conditioning, you know, those core beliefs, that self-limiting beliefs, along with our shadow really all work together behind the scenes, maintain the status quo of our beliefs and our backstory, you know, that history and conditioning. So our position in exploring this material is to accept what we find, whatever arises, which can really be difficult. You know, we're talking about some ugly stuff like our greed, our anger, could be jealousy, hatred, prejudices, our narcissism, our fears. Yeah, it must be difficult to accept these as parts of our own inner self. Well, yes. You know, our our knee-jerk reaction is to deny or look away. You know, yet the transformative power is to hold whatever we find, whatever arises from our inquiries with an openness and compassion, you know, an acceptance that, gosh, given early circumstances, Our little underdeveloped psyches were doing the best they could in those early situations and that we all, yes, I mean, all of us go through this. We all take these aspects on. Yes, we all take them on. 
You know, some say it's the purpose of our journey through the, through the human experience. How so? Well, let's look at it. I mean, we arrive here in Earth School, and I very often think of us as kind of innocent bundles of nerves, you know, and we're totally reliant upon the caregivers in our lives. And these little nerve bundles that we are develop neural pathways according to the environment, you know, and whether or not the environment, people in the environment, are responding to our needs or not. So as the environment enlarges, as we grow, you know, it begins to include family, extended family, you know, uh, school, neighborhood, church, you know, all of these leave their mark a little or a lot, remembered or not. So for many of us, we fare really quite well into our adulthood with all the conditioning and the beliefs and the shadow driving the bus from behind the scenes. Then for some of us, there's an arising, kind of a lingering to address the glitches in our lives, you know, to, to quit making excuses that render us feeling less than. Or sometimes, you know, for some of us, it could be a hunch that there's more to this one precious life than we assumed. You know, and then others, you know, ask really blatantly, you know, who am I? What am I? Why am I here? All of these inquiries start the ball rolling toward uncovering the hidden aspect of ourselves. You know, this is as long as we're willing to look beyond the obvious. Well, Dr. Jane, you said that this begins with the mindful awareness that we've been practicing. Yes. Yes. Our mindful awareness, you know, it, it kind of clears the way of our perceptions. We can then get in touch with what was my conditioning? What are my hidden beliefs? You know, what is my shadow all about? And this allows us to have an experience of, of our whole being. So this always includes the good, the bad, and the indifferent. You know, we step onto, you know, a position of awakened awareness and can investigate these exiled parts with curiosity, with acceptance, with compassion. You know, in becoming familiar with these dimensions, we increase our awareness of their patterns and how they direct, gosh, the, the thoughts, the feelings, the behaviors, and how, how it, they're, they're, they're directing all of this with very subtle urges, you know, and by noticing the subtleties, we can catch the shadow doing its thing, kind of whispering to us, you know, and in this developing relationship with that shadow we can sense the activation of the shadow through body sensations, you know, feelings of unease within our bodies. Well, you make it sound inviting, but I know that must be difficult. And the reward is to experience our whole being. Well, yes, remember, we're exploring parts of us that were not heard in our early years. You know, they weren't safe to express. You know, maybe they were criticized or punished in some form. And in our mindful awareness, we're inviting them to show themselves, not to destroy them or even fix them, but to know them and what they mean and how they've served us adaptively. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, Anna, we actually discover gold, you know, dreams or desires or creativity 
um, or maybe even goals, you know, that have a potential to bring us great happiness and joy. That's wonderful. But, you know, how does that happen? Well, during our, our development, certain traits and impulses, you know, may have been condoned um, or not by family and peers and educators, you know, and, um, you know, not necessarily out of, of care, you know, I mean, it's not like they said, don't do that necessarily because they, they really care deeply for us, although sometimes that's the case. I mean, sometimes it was because of jealousy or ignorance or, or envy or, or fear. So the need for safety and our desire to abide by all the social expectations caused us to repress these talents, you know, these innate abilities and creative processes, which if they'd been supported might have allowed us to realize our full potential in some way. You know, and this is the territory so often of the lone wolf or the black sheep, you know, in the social herd, you know, where everybody is conforming, you know, and yet there's an outlier, you know, and that outlier is, is a threat and often attack, uh, attacked and, and ridiculed by the majority. Well, being able to unlock these parts of ourselves is certainly a way to discover gifts we never knew we had. How do we begin? Well, for our purposes, Anna, you know, we're wanting to become more aware of these dimensions. You know, we're, we're looking to kind of, um, I say, you know, kind of get a glimpse of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, shadow, done, shadow work is done formally, usually with a, a licensed psychotherapist, you know, somebody who's trained specifically in doing this kind of shadow work. You know, or some people find this work in, in various spiritual traditions, you know, which formally address the hidden traits and, and really look at the hidden traits as obstructions to living in one's potential or living an awakened or enlightened life. So what we want to do is we want to just begin to take a peek, you know, Kind of noticing the subtle hits, the glimpses, the whispers of negativity, and then allow ourselves to turn toward them and invite them to tell us more, more, more of what we we need to know about ourselves, like why we're thinking or acting a certain way, or how these negative thoughts or feelings have been trying to protect us, you know, or or maybe my anger protecting me from embarrassment or some, some sense of insecurity or passivity. You know, the key on it is to avoid judging and to approach this with kindness and curiosity. Yes, it's like we're being a friendly observer, right? You know, like we're saying to ourselves, hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. You know, sometimes I inquire by what I refer to as having tea with the demons, you know, this was actually, I, I read about it years ago and it's a Tibetan tea ceremony, which engages the darker sides of ourselves. And again, you know, we pose questions regarding the experience of emotions we consider negative as they're arising, as we notice them. 
And we, we want to begin by moving into our present moment awareness and starting with the breath, really grounding ourselves, tuning into our sensations, being aware of, of our autopilot thinking, and turning toward the discomfort, turning toward and noticing what we're experiencing, you know, the whole bundle, you know, of thoughts, feelings, body sensations. So if we're feeling angry jealous, we might inquire, well, you know, how interesting that you show up today. You know, I'm having tea with this demon of anger and jealousy. So I want to acknowledge the feeling. Let it resonate within me. Let me have the full experience of it. And to ask it, you know, so what do you have for me today? You know, notice what we're responding to. Notice what's right or just about this demon showing up. And also notice how I'm wanting to justify my reactivity. I mean, I've got my reasons, right? And to just notice, notice how that plays out. Well, we must be willing to be uncomfortable, at least for a while, don't we? Yes. Yes, we're owning our reactivity. We're sitting in our, our, our juices, right? Mm-hmm. And we're interested in getting to the root of it little by little. We have to be patient. We're retrieving suppressed material to better understand ourselves and ask, access that, that best and highest part of ourselves. You know, and another method of inquiry, you know, we could use is would be to actually target the projection. Remember, projection is when we call out a specific trait in another person while ignoring it. <laughs> always while ignoring how it plays out in us. So the inquiry, you know, is to name a specific trait that someone displays that we dislike or that irritates us. Might be that they're showing, uh, oh, I don't know, you know, selfishness or bossiness or arrogance. Then it's about how does the other's behavior remind us of parts of ourselves that we dislike? And we want to lean into the negativity, feel into it, get a sense of, yes, me too. Yeah, I do that too. You know, we let ourselves be aware of how our shadow traits impact our sense of self and our identity, beliefs, our values. I find this information so fascinating, Dr. Jane. You know, I, I really, really do. What do you suggest for practice this week? For practice, Anna, I, I want to suggest a sequence of practice, starting with the breath, moving to the body sensations, moving into, you know, watching thoughts, and then turning toward our discomfort, whatever that discomfort is that's arising. Well, I want our listeners to know that this sequence is all included in our YouTube and Buzzsprout podcast library, and it's titled Turning Toward the Discomfort. Great. Great. You know, and next, it's important to be willing to experiment with one of our suggested inquiries, okay? You know, to invite the shadow to reveal itself and inform us about how it's trying to be helpful. You know, noticing our negative reactivity. You know, noticing what's arising within us and just letting ourselves just explore. Just kind of look
look at how is this meant to be helpful? You know, or we could be exploring the projections, you know, by naming traits we dislike in another and investigating how these traits are within us as well. Dr. Jane, this has been really, really wonderful. And it sounds like another week of self-discovery. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, thank you. Until our next conversation.